What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Follow me on Twitter, at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shim, on the boards, making the shit sound buttery. I am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit, at Kinda Neat. YouTube.com slash That's Kinda Neat, where you're going to see Danny Seth, our guest today, performing Darling Danny. Very beautiful ode to his stepmother. Quite a sad song, I must say. Thank you guys for tuning in so much to the YouTube channel. We broke 36,000 subscribers and just 7 million views today, which is so crazy. And we're about to have, I think, like 25 of our videos are going to be over 100,000. It's just insane. Like, uh, so appreciative. Thank you so much for all the artists that we've had on the show that trust us to put their music out the way that we do. You know, we have a lot of fun. We like it, and it's good. Facebook.com slash kind of neat. Download that podcast app. Go to your app store on your iPhone or your Android and uh, download the podcast app. Subscribe by searching kind of neat. Click the little icon. It's the little KN and just subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Leave a five star rating. Leave a comment. Tell us who you want to see on the show. Most of the time when you guys tell me like who you want to see on the show, chances are I've already reached out. It's funny, I was thinking about it today, like some of the names that we've had flake on us or like that I've had booked in the calendar and then something comes up last minute where they can't be on the show, you guys would be astounded and disappointed and like, oh, wow, you almost did that. That's good. But, you know, sometimes things just don't work out and sometimes they do. It's all serendipity. Man, it's been a minute since we did this. The last one we did was Kamasi and such great response from that one. I was really happy with how the video came out. It's probably one of my favorite things that we've recorded. It was really dope. Some really interesting places picked it up and posted it and we were happy about that. But it's probably been three weeks since I've been in the studio to do one and I've been just so busy. Work has finally been picking up. It was a slow, like I told you guys, if you've been tuning in the whole year, the beginning of the year got off to a slow start. Now, busy as shit. I'll tell you what, it's very busy. What I can say is that I have a show coming up at the Troubadour. This is the announcement, I guess. I guess I'm doing this. I guess I'm going to announce it. We just locked in our opening acts tonight, and I'm very excited about them. So it's going to be me and Mark headlining for my birthday at the Troubadour again because last time was one of my favorite shows, and I want to do it even bigger and even better this time. And so, uh, yeah, we're playing the Troubadour on Thursday, July 9th. It's an all-ages show. I think tickets are 12 bucks in advance, 15 at the door. I would say get them in advance. Make sure you get them in advance because our opening acts are veritable stars in their own right and they sell a lot of tickets too. So I'm not somebody like I don't I'm not an egotistical person about headlining. I don't really care. In my eyes, all of these people are like co-headliners. And so for direct support, we have a young lady named Neomza. And Neomza is someone who I think is going to be a big star. She's has a beautiful smoky voice and like you guys know how I like my soul singers I like them with smoky voices and I like them with a lot of soul and she has that and she's also a great songwriter you guys may or may not have heard of her yet but she has a, a strong following she's dope and I think if you haven't heard of her yet you're gonna like her and she's eventually gonna do an episode we'll just leave it at that for the opening act, we have a fucking kind of neat favorite he's one of the last videos that like really hit hard that's Michael Christmas and Michael Christmas is going to be the opening act. And I know that you guys are going to love him too. So I'm really happy about the show, the lineup. I think the lineup is awesome. And so I'm not going to put out a flyer for another few days. So if you guys are listening to this episode, you're the first ones to hear about it. 
Good job. Congrats. So please, if you are listening and you live in the Los Angeles area, come out and watch the show at the Troubadour July 9th. It's going to be my second annual birthday party turn up. I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't put it out there because I feel like sometimes when you put things out there, you almost kind of jinx them. Like you feel like you've already accomplished it. But I fucking want my birthday shows to eventually turn into a goddamn festival. I want it to just be the biggest thing. I don't know if it will, but who knows? So, yeah, like I said, I've been busy. We've been traveling around a lot. I went to Dom and I went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we shot uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's like the man when it comes to NASCAR. I've never seen a nascar race but apparently it is very popular my uncle who lives in uh, outside of philadelphia was like i love dale earnhardt jr you got to send pictures with him and yada yada and so i ended up getting him a t-shirt signed and and i took the best picture with dale earnhardt jr for him ever where i have my shirt off and an american flag do-rag on and we're shooting a paintball or we're like holding paintball guns like it was ridiculous i'm an idiot on instagram but it's funny and then i just went to portland last week and in portland I have the story that I want to tell you guys that is like pretty ridiculous on a lot of levels. It was probably one of the most awkward things that's happened to me, if not ever, definitely in recent memory. It was a very awkward moment for me. There were a lot of levels of awkwardness and it was awkward on both sides, but we're at this restaurant in Portland called St. Irving Street. I had had a long day. So what happened is like we went on a three-day camping road trip shooting some pro snowboarder dudes, which was really cool because I got into photography because I wanted to be a professional snowboard photographer. Like that's what I wanted to do because I grew up snowboarding and I loved it very much. And it was one of the things that like really helped me tap into my creativity, I think. So it was a bit of a dream come true to like go ride Mount Hood with like a bunch of pro dudes. Like we were riding with... Mark McMorris, who's like a bronze medalist in the Olympics, and Bodie Merrill, who was a snowboarder, snowboarder of the year last year, and uh, Zach Hale and Aaron Bittner, just cool dudes. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We went around Oregon for three days camping and chilling, and they hopped in the ocean and surfed in Pacific City, which is crazy because it looked really fucking cold there. But the last day when we're going back to Portland to fly out, my iPhone had died right before uh, we get to town. And so I'm like all panicking trying to get a, get a new iPhone because they sold me a lemon, basically. I just got a six plus like six weeks ago and I already had to take it into the shop once and they did a factory reset and then now it died again. I knew that they should have just replaced it from jump and so they replaced it for me. Then I run back to the hotel and realize that fuck like my beard looks like shit right now like i've been camping for three days i look like a homeless person i smell like a homeless person and uh, i ran out of beard oil and i was like you know what i gotta find a barber because i'm not gonna have time when i get back to la because i'm i'm running all around this week too and so i was like i walked like 10 blocks and i went and got a beard trim now the shit looks very sleek i gotta say it makes my face look very sharp and uh beautiful so then i run back take a shower and we go to this place st irving's and we're eating and it's like a kind of a fancy restaurant and I preface all that to say that I, like, I'm kind of tired at this point and I start to have drink some cocktails. I have like an old fashioned and then I start drinking my second old fashioned and I'm eating some fancy squid ink pasta shit. I don't know. It was tasty. It had shrimp and uh, chorizo in it. I'm down. And so as I'm eating and I'm about a cocktail and a half in a dude walks by that I am pretty fucking positive. I recognize and I look at him and he looks at me. And I kind of like squint my eyebrows like, wait, what the fuck? And he looks at me like, like he's kind of smirking like, oh, yeah, you know who I am. And he kind of starts to make a beeline towards our table. And it dawns on me. It's this guy I know 
from Washington, D.C. named Brian, who we've shot with before. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? I'm like, yo, what's up, Brian? Or like, you know, and I stand up, I shake his hand like heavy bro handshake to where it's that one where you like you shake the hand and then you push the hand down and hug each other. And I gave him a full on hug like, yeah, dude, I can't believe you're here. What are you doing here? The only thing that looked weird about Brian is that his hair was permed. Brian is a, is an African-American gentleman. He's a black dude. Last time we saw him, he just had like a maybe a, just a kind of conservative haircut, you know, like high and tight, nice lineup. And now Brian, I'm seeing him and he has his hair permed and kind of slicked back and shaved up on the side. Like think like the Macklemore haircut or like kind of a conservative Danny Brown haircut. Right. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, nothing. I'm just here eating, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I said, well, how long are you in town? And he goes, oh, what do you mean? And I said, you know, like, what are you doing out here from D.C.? He goes, oh, no, 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 I live in Portland. And I said, oh, you live in Portland now? You moved? And he's like, nah, what do you mean? And uh, before that even happened, I tell Dom, like, yo, Dom, it's Brian. It's Two Saints from fucking from Instagram. It's Brian, you know? And Dom looks up and goes, oh, oh, shit. He's like, damn, you got a new haircut? I thought you were Danny Brown. At which point I found out later, I found out later that Dom actually did think it was Danny Brown. Like Dom thought that basically Danny Brown and I recognized each other. He's like, yo, I just thought that was like some real hip hop shit. Like Danny Brown was like, oh, I know that full that's intuition. And you guys were like showing love to each other, which is like crazy because he would have no idea who I was and that would not have happened. But that is what Dom thought it was. So I'm telling Dom that it's Brian from D.C. And Dom's looking at the gal that we're with at the table like, this fool's crazy. That's not, that's not Brian. And I'm thinking this is Brian. He just has a new haircut. Right. And so I say, Oh, how long are you out here? And he goes, I, I don't know what you mean. And I said, from DC, what, what are you doing out here? And he goes, no, no, I live in Portland. I was just here doing a Ted talk and now I'm having dinner. And I say, you live in Portland. You moved here. And he goes, no. And I go, wait, what the fuck's going on here? I go, you're Brian. Right. And he goes, no, I'm Gregory. And I said, well, then how the fuck do I know you? Like, why Why did we just hug it out? I totally thought that I knew you, and now I'm so confused because you looked at me as though you recognized me, and I looked at you as if I recognized you, and that shit was all very strange. And he goes, well, no, man, I'm Gregory from Top Chef, which is very funny to me because I'm like, I went, oh, fuck. I was so embarrassed at this point because, I, and I stopped myself and I go, holy fuck. I'm so stupid. Like, that's why I recognized you. I thought you were my friend Brian from DC because you guys look a lot alike. And this isn't on some like, oh, everyone that I've told this story to has been like, oh, that's racist fool. Like, oh, all black people look like, no, all black people do not look alike to me. That's a retarded thing to say. But Brian and Gregory look a lot of fucking like they have the same glasses. They have the same facial structure. They're the same height and they have the same facial hair. The only thing that was different was a haircut. And I just thought like, oh, but that's the thing is that Brian is a fashionable dude. So like him having that haircut wouldn't have been like out of left field to me. It made sense. And so he goes, no, I'm Gregory from Top Chef. And I go, fuck, I'm actually a huge Top Chef fan. And now I'm realizing that's why I recognize you because I was rooting for you last season, which was not bullshit because here's the thing. I have this cousin, Brianna. She lives out in Vegas. Shout out to cousin Brianna. Kind of one of the things that keeps us in contact with each other at this point is that we're both top chef fanatics. We've never missed an episode, basically. So we'll text each other like, oh, are you watching this season? Are you caught up? Like, who are you rooting for, et cetera, et cetera. Like when shit happens, I'm like, oh, I can't believe they eliminated that person or thank God this person got eliminated. I love top chef. And so... The funny thing is, Brianna and I from Jump were like, yo, 
this fucking season is going to suck because Gregory is just going to run away with it. He ended up taking second place, if I remember correctly, but he did great. And he was the early favorite for sure. And so we were like, yo, this season's boring and Gregory's going to win. So we were kind of like rooting for him from jump. And so he says, oh, no, I'm Gregory from Top Chef. And I'm like, motherfucker, how embarrassing. And so he walks off and goes to the bathroom and then we don't see him again, thankfully, because seeing him again would have been mad embarrassing. And at that point, Dom and our other friend McKenna that we were with were just fucking laughing at me like, damn, you really you're an idiot. You put your foot in your mouth and like Dom's looking at me all crazy like, yeah, I knew that wasn't Brian. And I was just watching you make a fucking fool out of yourself. And I was like, I thought it was weird because I'm like, yo, why doesn't Brian recognize Dominic? Like, is it because he has a hat on or like he just did? They just didn't see each other. Like, I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, why aren't you guys hugging it out the way I just hugged it out? And he's like, but you know what? As much as you put your foot in your mouth. You didn't look as crazy as that dude did because that dude saw that you recognized him and he came over to the table thinking like you must have wanted an autograph. Like he expect he was like, oh, yeah, you're damn right that you recognize me. I'm fucking Gregory from Top Chef, you know, which is kind of <laughs> which is kind of what he was doing. And so then, you know, like I said, come to find out, Dom thought it was Danny Brown the whole time. So the whole funny thing is like. It was just a whole folly of errors, and it was like there was levels to everyone fucking up the reason that everybody was trying to talk to each other. And so this whole time, I'm thinking it's some dude from D.C. that I knew, and he's thinking, oh, I'm just a Top Chef fanatic, which he kind of was right, but that's not why I was trying to talk to him. So, yeah, it was just very awkward. I will never forget that situation and how crazy it felt because it, I just wanted to crawl in a hole. Like, I just, it was just so fucking weird afterwards. And that's my funny story for the week. Uh, what else? Oh, today is my dad's birthday. June 1st is my dad's birthday. And as you guys know, I always talk about it. It's probably obnoxious at this point, but he has Alzheimer's. I've seen a bunch of documentaries and like mini clips about, uh, you know, how people react to music, uh, when they have Alzheimer's and because apparently the music section of your brain that remembers songs is like one of the last things to go. So I started kind of doing an experiment, just seeing like if somebody would hook me up. Cause I, I was looking for, um, an old iPod shuffle. Cause I know they're like pieces of shit and no one wants them anymore. And I start looking on Craigslist and they're only 20 bucks on Craigslist. Right. But in the LA area, all of them were like in Glendale or far out places. Cause I live on the West side and I was like, I don't want to spend 20 bucks in gas just to go pick up a $20 item. So I just tweet out like, yo, does anybody have an old iPod shuffle that I could have? Because I know they're not worth anything. And if you just don't want it, I'll pay for the shipping or whatever. And I'll PayPal you, you know? And so my homie Piff Tannen, shout out to Piff Tannen. We've known each other through the internet roughly like he actually is from dc coincidentally but we've known each other on the internet through internet forums for like 10 years now maybe more so shout out to him he hit me up and was like yo man i have an old ipod shuffle he's like you don't have to pay for the shipping i'll just ship it to you it's whatever and so i told him what my plans were because my plan was to make it very easy for my dad to listen to music because unfortunately he recently wandered off and if you guys are familiar at all with alzheimer's that's a bad sign when people start wandering off it's not good. My mom uh, is getting the kitchen redone right now back home. And so there's a lot of loud noise going on. And so she went upstairs for a little bit and she's kind of his safety net. And so she's not around. He gets kind of freaked out. And I think uh, that combined with the loud noise, he just kind of wandered off and escaped. And my mom's like freaking out. And so she and the contractor both hop in their cars and they drive separate ways down our like little street and try to find him. And he was like three quarters of a mile away, headed towards the highway almost. 
My mom says, what, what, like, where were you? What were you doing? Why'd you wander off? I got very scared. And he said, uh, well, you know, I was walking out towards the dike and, uh, I lost the dog. Uh, He ran off for a bit, but you know, I got him back. And so it's okay. Now he was saying this and making this story up, but he was walking in the opposite direction of the dike and the dog was in the house the whole time. So, you know, like that's his, like, that was his coping mechanism was to like make a story, which is, which I find very interesting and, you know, kind of sad. And so anyhow, my mom tells me that story kind of in distress. And I said, well, I'm going to do this thing and make him a mix of all his favorite artists and favorite songs on an iPod shuffle because it's only one button. And I feel like it'll be easy for him to kind of just listen to music when he wants to listen to music because he can no longer get through reading a book. He can still read words, but I don't think he can piece them together while reading a book. And it's getting to the point now where TV shows are hard for him to follow along to. So he's kind of running out of things slowly that he can kind of waste time with. But like I said, music is something that they don't lose. There's like this old clip of a dude who's like in his 90s who's like gone completely cathartic or not cathartic, but uh, lethargic, who's essentially catatonic for most of the day, like sitting there, not saying anything, not reacting to anyone, not listening to words. And they put headphones on him and he lights up and they're playing music from his teen years like big band stuff dizzy gillespie and stuff and he lights up and starts talking and telling stories about his youth and everyone like in the room is like teary-eyed and shit and so i was that i found that very inspiring so i put like a bunch of music on this ipod shuffle i put um van morrison i put ccr on there i put bob dylan tom petty neil young carlos santana the old shit not the shit with matchbox 20 fuck that Bob Seger, Rolling Stones, The Beatles, Muddy Waters, Lead Belly. Like he loves the blues. I put some Otis Redding, some Sam Cooke, because I noticed that he sings along with that stuff when it comes on in my car. You know, I put the classics on there. B.B. King had just died the day that I was doing it, and so I put some B.B. King on there because I know he likes uh, Thrill is Gone and Riding with the King with Eric Clapton. I put Eric Clapton on there a bunch. So anyways, I make this mix and it fits about 120 songs on the Gigabyte iPod Shuffle and I send that to my mom and I send some uh some headphones like some shout out to Skull Candy that's they, they give me free headphones. So I got some Skull Candy headphones and sent them to my mom and right when I got back from Portland she sent me a text that said dad is using the iPod Shuffle headphones you sent as I write. He's singing and humming and says he likes it. What a great and thoughtful gift. And I said, that's really cool. Like, update me if he comments on it anymore. And so a little bit later, she goes, he's singing Have You Ever Seen the Rain out loud. And he looked at me and said, thanks. And I said, for what? And he pointed to the headphones. And I told him it was from you. And he got a big smile on his face and said, oh. And now he's singing like a Rolling Stone. And I said, oh, I'm kind of teary-eyed off that. And she said, me too. Seriously, he seems very happy. And so apparently every night since then, she's been putting the headphones on. She'll say, hey, Barry, do you want to listen to some music? And I'll go, yeah. Like, without even thinking, like, yeah. He puts on the headphones and he's like very astounded that it's all coming from that little tiny device and he sings and hums. And at one point when Oye Como Va came on, that Carlos Santana song, he goes, Karen, Karen, listen. And he like opens one of the headphone sides and, and she says, what? And he, she, he says, listen, listen. And she leans in and goes, oh, yeah, Santana. And he goes, yeah, Santana. And then he just puts the headphones back on and keeps listening and humming and singing. And so I thought that was cool. Seems like my little uh, experiment kind of worked out. And so I'm hoping that uh, that will entertain him for some years to come. 
and it's good because it doesn't my whole idea behind the shuffle was like it doesn't have any choice like there's no hey do you want to listen to this it's just like you press play and whatever comes on comes on and i think that's kind of what he needs so sorry that was a long intro but a lot of stuff has been happening and and life's good and i'm happiest when i'm busy and if you listen to the podcast frequently you know that i'm the happiest when i'm the busiest and uh i've been real busy and so i've been real happy that being said we got Danny Seth on the podcast today. Danny Seth is a rapper, and Danny Seth is from England. Or he's from London, just outside of London in a small place called Bushy. And Danny Seth is a white dude. And so those are the three things. I hate, I hate going like, oh, he's a white rapper from London. But, you know, when people say, what's the elevator pitch, that's what people would say. And so Danny Seth, he was our guest today. Very nice dude, well-spoken, interesting to talk to. First time we've had a British person on the show, so that's dope. I feel like uh, as Americans, when we talk to British people, well, first and foremost, we always think they're smarter than us because it sounds very refined. And the second thing is, it's very hard to not want to do a British accent the whole time you're talking to them. Like, I find myself trying to fight that off the whole time. But yeah, he was cool, man, and I like this, and he did a great song afterwards. Back and forth from L.A., has some good stories, and I think you guys will enjoy this. So without further ado... Here is my conversation with Danny Seth. You're from London. I am. How's that? Mm. What's it like? Like, tell, uh, so here's the thing. I'm from a weird place, and people are always like, what did, "What's it like?" And I have my like standard go through the motions of things that people might not know. What, what's yours? I'm from just, I'm on the outskirts of London. I'm from a little town called Bushy, just next to Watford. Bushy? Yeah, it's okay. called Bushy. Yeah, yeah. Pause again. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Central and like around, you know, East and all around that. So I've seen, I've seen different sides of London. You know, I love it in the summer. I don't like bad weather. I, yeah, it me, makes me neither. Me, it makes me sad and upset. That's what That's I would say. My hometown. To, yeah. It's it's great to visit. Not right. not the place to live. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Love London. It'll always yeah. be the place in my heart. But you know, when you step foot in Cali and you wake up to sunshine, <sighs> something about this place. The women, the weed, and the weather. Even though I don't smoke anymore, but you quit smoking. Yeah. I cigarettes do. and weed. Or oh, cigarettes. Four years nearly now. Four years. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I'm at a year and two months. Damn. Congratulations. Yeah. We're out the here. hardest part. The first year was tough. Wow. But, um, Actually, the first like six yeah, weeks were the hardest. I think there's not a day that goes past where I don't miss a cigarette. Like someone could smoke next to me and I'll be like, give it to I me. Still, I never get over me it. Me too. I still have the, the habit to want to bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, ter- it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. When did you start smoking? How um, old are you? 15, maybe. Yeah, me too. And I have terrible asthma too. So I, I think it was about four years ago. I was just in bed and I was like... <gasps> It was before I went to see, I was like, you know what, I can't do it. And I actually, actually, it's a lie, I kind of, I believe in the universe or God, whatever is up there. And I kind of, I think the, the one thing, power. the higher power. And yeah. I think what made me stop, I was like, you know what, whoever's up there, let's make an agreement. If I stop smoking, you're going to help my career out. There you go. So every time I go to grab a cigarette, it's like, I don't want to fuck my career up. No, I don't want to Don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. When did you find out you had asthma? I've had asthma my whole life since I was like a baby. What's the first time having a, an asthma attack like? <sighs> terrible, terrible. I had pneumonia when I was nine, so I nearly died when I was nine. So that shit was fucking scary as fuck. And I think that kind of fucked up my lungs and my whole life. But, you know, 
well being young and growing up in a scene, you know, you can't not smoke. Like, I got asthma, well, I'm not gonna smoke shit. Smoke is cool as fuck. I'm not gonna be yeah. left out for that. Yeah, shit. It's, it's funny because like my dad was a smoker. Mm. All, all the male influences so, yeah. in my life were smokers, and I went, oh, I'm never gonna smoke. It's so gross. And then the oh, first yeah. time I had a cigarette, I'm like, yeah, this shit lit. is for me. I love it. <laughs> it's yeah, lit. it was terrible. Super and lit. I became such an expert at like hiding cigarette smell mm. from my parents and shit. <laughs> I, like, feel you, I have my systems. Yeah. yeah. Just outside of London in Bushy, what's Bushy about? Like, what's the socioeconomic status of that place? Um, it's pretty like out there. It's like, it's kind of, you know, very quiet, small town. You know, northwest London is quite, there's a quite big Jewish population. I'm Jewish. Okay. Uh, so, like, all around there's a lot of Jewish people. But uh, Bushy is kind of like, you know, it's next to a place called Watford, which I grew up and I partied in as lots. It's, it's very diverse. Like, it can, it's on the outskirts. So it's kind of get a bit of everything. You get a taste of London. You get a taste of the outside of London. It's it's dope. I love it. You know, no matter where I go in life, I always go back and buy a home in Bushy and chill. And yeah. me. I'm, my dad lives on a small island in Spain uh, called Mallorca, so that's where I kind of... That's oh yeah, that, I've heard that future. place is pretty tight, huh? That's tight as fuck. Well. Yeah, we, we have. How often do you visit there? Um, maybe once a year. Yeah, I go see him. It gets crazy, or what? It's it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's the island next to Ibiza, so oh, it's, yeah. it's pretty lit. What do you do out there? Uh, <laughs> he chills. That's he just chills. <laughs> He's chilling yeah. right now. Uh, Shout where, out my dad. <laughs> where's your family come from? We're from we're full from London. Like generations in London. General. Uh, well, we we are uh, Ashkenazi, so that means kind of family from like Russia's, and that's where they all came from. You know, after the wars. So, and uh, my actual second name was Belferman. It was my name is Danny Seth Bell, but it was Belferman, and then my grandpa they changed, changed it. it because it was too you know Jewish. Right, uh, right, right. Bell. So did you grow up going to temple and stuff like that? Um, not just more my mom's Jewish? super. My mom's super relaxed, man. She didn't ever force anything on me. And you know, my dad. You know, it's nice. I think I I got I only go once a year just out of respect. My own no one makes it. I go out of respect because I feel like the festival and we pass. I feel like you know what? Maybe I've had a shitty year. Let me let me fast for a day and just reflect, you know, re- on reflect and yeah. be thankful how lucky I am to be where I am. And this and that and people who are not as fortunate as I am. What's school like as a kid in England? Wait, do, um, do I refer to it as Great Britain or no, England? Well, England's massive, so yeah. probably London. Or Just call it London. London. Okay. Because London's, you know, yeah, the yeah, capital. Absolutely. I went to seven different schools. Really? Why were you guys moving so much? I was a, I was a little shit when I was younger. Really? Yeah, I, I, I went to a bunch of schools. Because uh, until, until I was about 13, we had no money. Mm. And then my dad uh, married my old stepmother, who was like my mother to me, like super, like the nicest woman in the world. And she was she was really wealthy, so she took me out of you know public school. She wanted me to go to private school, and I was I was a little bit rugged when I was like thirteen, four. I thought I was you know a bad boy, and my pants low, and this and that. So yeah. I. Um, <clears throat> When she started to put me into these private schools, I was like, fuck this, what the fuck is I won't be with all my boys. I don't want to be wearing a fucking uniform right. or shit like this. So I ran away from two of them. Uh, from private uh, yeah, schools? Were like, they boarding was schools? Like, like you're away from home? Well, one of them was, yeah. and I was just, that was just a no-go. It was lunch break. I remember I was like 14, it was lunch break, and I'd plotted my route home because I only lived like 20-minute walk away. Right. 
So I was just like, well, when they're not looking, I'm going to hop the fence, I'm going to go, and I did it. <laughs> and then there was a whole, the school kind of shut down for the day, trying to find me, and then my mum had to, because my, my real mum, you know, I love, that's my backbone. She kind of is just like, she knows, she knows me better than anyone. She knows, it. I'm not, ma- I'm not making a fuss because I'm a brat, I'm not making a fuss because I'm, you know, I'm not happy. Yeah. And she just wants me to be happy. So I went to a bunch of schools. Where did you go when you ran away? I went home. Oh, to her house, to yeah. mom's house. And she was like, because she knew, you know, she didn't. Did she, she let you hide out for a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't fuck with all that private school stuff. Yeah. She was just like, yeah, you can come, come home. I'm not, I'm not tripping. So. Right. You got brothers and sisters? Uh, halves and steps. Well, halves and no steps. No more steps. So you're kind of, uh, you're the only biological I'm the sibling. Only, yeah. So how, how'd your parents meet? Um, well, my dad's had four wives. Oh, so he's out here. He's out. <laughs> Yeah. He's out here. Is that why he's in Mallorca? He found like a nice Spanish broad? Yeah. Nice. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, my mom was, I think my mom was like 21 and my dad was like 40. Oh. Yeah. It was lit. So your dad's probably a little bit like me, it sounds like. <laughs> All you 20 years. I think it was different. I think it was yeah. different back then, maybe. Right, right. Well, different in that there you couldn't slide in the DMs. Yeah, that's what that's, I mean. It was a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, he was winning yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he had wives before your mom. Or? Yeah, he had one wife before my mom. And uh, so, so you, he already had some kids before you came along. Yeah. So yeah. I've got two older, right. older half sisters. Are you closer than any of them? Yeah, I'm closer to my two older half sisters. There's a big gap. They're like they're then like forty. So they've got kids too. So they're almost like aunties or something. Yeah. yeah. So I've got, but I'm you know I'm an uncle and yeah. a few times now. So. Right. That's cool, but you know I've got another baby half sister from one of my mum's other marriages, who's like that's not my baby sister. She's like my real sister. I brought her up. Nice. So, yeah. so how long did your folks try to make it work when when you were born? Not long. Mm-hmm. I don't even. I don't even remember. They were just together. never together. Who'd you stay with mostly then, mom or dad? Uh, it would be crazy because my dad would be hustling a lot of different jobs. He was a bit of a hustler. He tried to do a lot of different things. So I, my dad would always try and make me happy. Like he'd always want the best for me and this and that. So mm-hmm. uh, I would live with mama. I lived with my grandparents for a long time. Where they, they stayed in Bushy Yeah, too? no, oh. in a town, little town next to Stanmore. Okay. Uh, they're my backbone. They're still both alive today. My grandpa, God bless him, is 86. He was a butcher, so he's a big boy. He yeah. kind of like never seen the dude be ill. I've never fought. He's like, a, he's a warrior. So nice. Those two are like my backbone. They're proper inspiration to me. I still, you know, I still sometimes stay there whenever I'm stressed. I'm going. And that's uh, mom's parents or mom's dad's? Mom's parents. Yeah. Dad's parents I never met. Okay. Because they passed away, but apparently they're amazing people. Nice. So I've kind of, I've lived everywhere, man. I've lived in different countries. I lived in Israel for a year. I lived in, fuck, I went to university for a year. I, you know, I'm a bit of a run. Like, no, I don't want to say runaway, but I I don't like to be confined. You like to move. Yeah, I like, I like to move. And, you know, I think I learned that from my pups and, and yeah. people like that. I, I always wonder where that comes from. Because, you know, my dad was the same way. He liked to move. He got away from his family at, an, at, at a young age and kind of moved to the other side of the country. And then I ended up doing the same thing. And I never really thought of that until... I was an adult. I was like, oh, I fucking did the same yeah, thing as my dad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you feel yourself getting antsy when you stay places? Yeah. I, a little I, restless? Yeah, restless. And I get uninspired really quickly, too. Yeah. I think inspiration comes in, in weird places and forms. And, and to find myself as well, like, I, I, I feel like I need to move. How early were you uh, aware of the fact that you're, like, a creative? Um. Well, 
It took me a while. I, I, what I, you know, I, I used to be a, a dancer, not like in choreography, but I said I used to love Michael Jackson. He was like my idol. I yeah, would I saw be that dancing. you got the bad tattoo. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I noticed that was the first yeah. thing I noticed. Oh fuck yeah, Michael <laughs> yeah, Jackson. I'm that's, down. That, that's like my idol. I'm and my, I keep Thriller on the on, yeah, on the iPod. Always, always. always. Yeah. And uh, I remember my mom uh, bought me a video. It was like about to make the history tour with the golden he was on the golden statue in the front yeah and i just used to memorize the dances i was just like yo this dude's crazy and then i start like i would just always be dancing like 12 oh man if you you two would have been around back then you would have gone viral yes (laughs) literally (laughs) and if he was still around i'd love to collab with something mike (laughs) i'm sure he would have loved to collab too oh shit that's Um, terrible yeah terrible r.i.p Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah, so you're a dancer. That's funny. I, I, I was, to, that's, yeah. that's how I got into music, too. I used to love dancing. Yeah. I was never a choreographed dancer yeah. either. No, that's what I mean. It was I would never... go enter, like, dance competitions yeah. at my youth center, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same. I would yeah. go to the local fucking parties. I would be, like, 13, like, this big, but yeah. still be let in. And then the, do the circle and get in. I loved it. Like, I would got videos, like, I'm going to release in the future. Like, me dancing my sister's wedding. I was, like, 11 in a circle. Like, Dude. crazy Yeah, stuff. they have videos of me yeah. doing that at, like, four or <laughs> five at I my mean. uncle's. Uh, wedding yeah it gives you that feeling and i I guess i didn't realize because of where i was from that i could reciprocate that energy into something else i kind of thought oh this is cool but when i was 16 i started to dj Mm. i I was i grew up in the in the dubstep era like in the birth of it you know i was you know i was there for the casper rusco record like i was i saw everything like I, i grew up going to fabric when i was 16 to hundred old pills and fucking loads of gear and a cat and then meth and all and not meth not not crystal meth yeah there was a drug in england called methadrone oh, okay which got kind of big what's that about it's it was like a legal drug it was a plant fertilizer and they were sent it and there was a website called phone for drone.com uh-huh. and because it was legal i'll tell you what it is go and do it so and, I was. So what is it? Is it, it was like, like a, a cross between coke and ecstasy. Oh, okay. So, so you're like you it feel was a, very, super positive, but also very turned. Yeah, you'd be awake for like five. The people, kids were like awake for like five, six days. Oh my god, it that was, does sound like meth, kind of though. Yeah, it, it was, but it was legal, so it was this whole gap, and everyone was fucking doing w- were it. Were kids dying from it or anything? No, anybody I don't it? think anyone was dying from yeah. it. I just think they they couldn't control the sale of it, so I believe that's why they fucking made it legal. You know? Yeah, yeah. So crazy. So you, when did you start experimenting with drugs? How old? 16? Um, when I was smoking since I was like 13 because yeah. my pups and my stepmother, I said they were big smokers in the house. You just like used to steal cigs? Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, I'm talking about drove too. Oh, and then, oh, and yeah, then yeah. my stepmom's dog walker, who was like our best family friend, she would just always have fucking loads of gear and I'd come in and they'd be smoking and I would steal some and they wouldn't let them know and then they found out and then I was just like, they were cool with it. So I would just have... Wait, so when you say gear though, break, oh, break yeah, it down sorry, to English Because yeah, so well, when I think of gear, I, I think of like train spotting and uh, I think of heroin. Yeah, heroin. No, yeah. no, no. no. Okay. It's like, usually when I say gear, I actually mean blow. Okay. But this time when I say gear, I mean like a just puff, weed. puff. Yeah, yeah, weed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. But okay. Then, but so then, you start experimenting with weed very early. Yeah. And yeah. then I had. Um, so when I was sixteen, seventeen, I used to take pills and all of that. But on my seventeenth, on my eighteenth birthday, I went with my ex girlfriend and 
seven of my best friends to Amsterdam. Oh, shit. And it was the weekend that mushrooms were going to be made illegal. Uh, so it was the last, it was the last time to um, announce that legal. That's funny. I still remember that, like yeah. in the news and shit. Like all of a sudden there was a loophole where it was Crazy. like legal for a day or yeah, something. Yeah, it was so. I went there for a drum and bass festival, which I was really excited for. And I was like, yo, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do pills, get wiener, but I'm not doing mushrooms. All right. Walk out of the rain, fucked up my face, and a pill. I look at my best friend. I'm like, let's go do mushrooms. Yeah. So, that was your first time trying it. So yeah, how I was had, it? I'll tell you, it was it was the most disturbing thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I have you ever done them again? No, dude. I always have no, bad no, trips no. on mushrooms. No, I, no. I kept trying. Yeah. How can you keep trying? I kept I, trying because I was like, I, I had such good experiences on acid that I, I like loved acid, and so I was like, I gotta get this mushroom shit no, right. Like I gotta oh. be in the right headspace, and it was terrible no, every time. It was. I remember every second of the 10-hour trip to this day. And, oh, let's and hear, let's hear some of it. What are the worst parts? I can tell. Well, I'll tell you step by. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So um, so I've gone to the store mm-hmm. with my best friend mm-hmm. at the time. And I was like, you know what? I don't want the ones that make me giggle. I want the ones that fucking shit me up. I want the ones that fucking yeah. do me so. Take me on a fucking He's ride. He's built me these ones with these massive stalks, fat head. They look gross. He's like... Bro, don't fry them. Don't do anything to them. You got to eat them raw. It will give you the best trip. Don't eat it with fizzy drinks. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my god, the fuck can I eat? How am I meant to eat this? So go back up to my hotel room. It's me and my best friend in one room, and the six of them are in the other room. So we're like, fuck it, let's do it. I'm eating it. I'm eating it. Nothing's happening. And then me and him just start punching each other. Like just play, just play fine. Just punching yeah. each other. I'm yeah. like, Haha. and then I hit him in the face. Oh shit! And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, whoa, sorry, bro. Like I didn't mean that. I ran into the other room where my other six friends are and I'm about to tell them like, yo, I'm tripping and I burst out laughing. Yeah. So they're all thinking I'm having a great time but every time I try and talk, I burst out laughing. Like you just can't control So I couldn't voice. control yeah. anything. So yeah. I was like, you know what, I've got to calm down. Let me go sit on the couch with my girl let her, you know, feel me out. See what's up. So I'm laying, on, I'm laying on the bed face down and she's rubbing the back of my neck and my head is in the pillow and I'm tripping. I put my head up and I look down and there's blood on the pillow. So I go to my girlfriend, I'm like, babe, can you get me a tissue? I'm having a nosebleed. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're not having a nosebleed. So I go like this, I'm wiping my hands, it's blood all over my arms and shit. I'm like, whoa, I'm freaking. I ran back into the other room. I threw up. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is over. We're good, we're good, we're good. Yeah. I, I just needed to throw up right. and I'd be cool. So she grabs me and she puts me into the shower and I'm about to have the shower. And as I grab the handle, it starts melting in my hand and I'm like, oh my God, it's happening again. I'm like, oh fuck. Long story short, the end of the, towards the end of the trip, I'm sitting in the bed, I'm looking at the lampshade and I'm just thinking, my parents are going to come and see me in a mental institute in Amsterdam. My life is over. Everything is gone. And I'm feeling, there's a window in the corner, open window. And I'm feeling something pulling me towards the window. Like, you've got to do it. Like, it's either mental institute or you're going out this window. Oh, my God. So something's pulling me. Something's pulling me. And I got to the edge of my bed and my ex-girlfriend came. She, she, I remember she touched my fucking leg and I snapped out of it and I burst into tears. I wow. Was like, what and that was after f- the 10th hour to like that the was the 10th hour and then i said to her i was like how long was i how long was i like this and she was like you only gone for like 10 hours oh my god and i was like what the fuck wow so after that i kind of i stopped doing pills i stopped doing any hallucinogenics I cleaned was like, you up 
clean me up. I That's needed great. that. I needed yeah. that. That's funny. My first time doing mushrooms, I uh, I was going through like a hallucinogen phase. And so we had done acid a couple of times. And my first time on acid, I got arrested. But it was actually oh awesome. It, it's a funny story that I've told before in the podcast. Right. But the best part of the trip was getting tested by the cops. Like it was like amazingly trippy and they ended up letting us go and it was fine. But then, um, and I did it a couple more times and then I was like, all right, let's try mushrooms. And we do mushrooms and we're in a car on our way to a party in the middle of traffic. My friend in the backseat opens the door and just fucking throws up in the middle of a stoplight. And I went, fuck this take me home right now like i just set it off like i was like i'm having a terrible trip the cops are definitely gonna come get us i was like take me the fuck home and they're like dude you're tripping you're tripping i'm like i know i'm tripping that's why i want to go the fuck home right now i dude i ran back into my dorm room and i just laid in my bed like shivering watching a clock as the clock just jittered until i fell asleep it was the worst worst feeling of anxiety and 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 i was like one of these times i'm gonna get it right and i never did i can't believe you had the balls to try again bro i'm very persistent as you can see from our emails and text messages, yeah. I'm very precise. No, I'm like, good. let's make this happen. We're here, we're here. Yeah, we're yeah. Here. So, um, oh, this speaking about it gives me the shit. That's bro. So it's funny. crazy. And yeah. it's not a day that I don't think about it. It's really? Crazy. It's been a long time. I'm talking over five, over five yeah. years. That's, cr- that's not crazy. A day my my think. producer, Mark, he has an acid story that changed his life where he, somebody meant to put uh, like a drop of acid on his wrist, liquid, and they spilled the whole vial. No. And he was like, I literally thought I died that night. Like I woke up in a field of wheat. It was like back no in the nineties during a rave. He's like, I woke up in a field of wheat looking at the sky in the morning after being blacked out all night. And he's like, I thought I was in heaven. And he's like, I locked myself in my bedroom for five days after that. And my life, and that's when I decided that I was going to make beats and my life has never been the same since. Crazy. Right. How crazy. crazy it is. Crazy. A lot of people discover themselves on hallucinogens. I feel yeah. like, so I think it happens for good or bad reasons. I think I discovered myself to, I became a, appreciative of life a there lot you go it, it was a negative experience that had a positive yeah, effect exactly that's perfect exactly. when did you start getting tattooed um i got my first tattoo so basically this is my mistake arm and it's <laughs> yeah. my good arm yeah so this tattoo here is my birthday and because when i was 16 yeah uh it was you could buy cigarettes at 16 in london yeah. but you had to be 17 to drive so I never had a license I never had an ID but I could smoke so then when every time they asked for an ID I looked so young they were like you don't have an ID so I went my friend was like fuck it I'm getting my birthday tattooed on my arm if anybody asked me a fucking cigarette I'm like bro here is my ID that, that is where my that's kind of dope though yeah. I, I like that it's a, it might be a mistake now but that's a good that's yeah. a good origin story yeah it's a good yeah. origin. even though my grandpa's like looks like a holocaust tattoo which I oh, was like yeah that's dark yeah, so I'm gonna get. I am gonna get it covered. I just, I just don't know with what. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys lose any family in the Holocaust? Um, I think I believe my grandparents did. So it was. That's pretty fucking. I mean, it, still, I'm. I'm a documentary enthusiast. Like, yeah. I watch everything and right. to watch. I, you know, to to believe that that shit was documented and seen is just it's crazy. It's. It's really crazy, and I pray to God nothing like that ever happens. The photographs are so haunting, yeah. Terrible. I recently found out my mother's maiden name is Milkovitz, and so we've been doing research on the family, and, and like, um, they always claim that they were Lutherans, her, her, her grandfather. And it turns out that one day when he was drunk, he just told my grandmother, like, you know that we're Jewish. And, and, um, <laughs> And and so like that's like new information that's never been revealed to us. And so yeah, they came from Hungary back in like the late twenties because I feel like Crazy. they felt it bubbling off. You know, like because Astro Hungary, like Austria Hungary, got like fucking devastated during that shit too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all. I mean, I mean it's just crazy that, that right. something like that happened in in this day and age. Right, um, right. I mean that yeah, that was like a blink of an eye ago. So I find it interesting that like. Uh, 
there's something about dancing as a kid, like you kind of don't realize it until hindsight, but it kind of proves that you have an inherent rhythm I think so, that yeah. now you're obviously using in this career yeah. and that crosses over very easily, you yeah. know, yeah. and you can kind of see it in your videos, like you can move. Thanks. And, uh, I don't know. There's like, it's something that some people have and some people don't Thank like, you, it's I impossible to, cra- to clap off beat for people like yeah. this. You know what I mean? No, no, I, I feel, I feel, as I said, I didn't, I didn't know how else I could reciprocate that right. energy of dancing until I fell in love with music again at 16 with the DJing and the, yeah. and the mixing and the stuff like that. And then eventually falling into, you know. Yeah. So what's that like when, cause there's a scene bubbling in, in London at that time and dubstep was a new brand new thing. Right. That's crazy. And so you were right in the, the epicenter of it. Yeah. And how do you start to find out about that scene? Going to Friday, I used to go to Fabric Friday every religiously. What's like, that about? What is it? Like Friday night was the was the dubstep night. It would okay. be the chasing status, the fucking you know even chase chase was drum back then. Like as you're saying, the Jokers, the you know the Plasticians, the fucking you know Caspers, the Roscoes, all of that. Like we, me and my friends, we would just love to fucking rave, man. There's something about the early dub and drum and bass. Just you know, I used to love high contrast. Like all of that was just. It just gave me this feeling. Like I would travel the country. Like I went up and down the country to see them play. Like, and you know, I'm really tight with Chase and Stairs now. And still, I say to them, "I'm like, bro, you're, you're still my idol." Like, yeah. I still grew up like running down, you know, right. to the Millennium Center O2. You know, still, I would stay till five in the morning till their sets. It was just a way of life. I think it was something we did in our area where all of our kids did. We would love to go on the train up there. It would be the experience just to, to go see these acts. Because rap concerts don't really, you know, happen. In, like, grime concerts don't happen in London. They get shut down all the time by the police. So when the DJing and the dubstep came, when they blended the grime and the dubstep together, it was like, fuck we would have grime artists come out on the fucking dubstep shows and we would get like a two for one. And then they don't get shut down because they're not on the flyers. Exactly. So it would be really... It was just this beautiful merge of electronic music and rap. So before um, before dubstep started cracking off and... uh, you're listening to Michael Jackson. Did you, what did you get? What was the gateway between Michael Jackson? and oh, Did you have was, somebody yeah, that was like, yeah. well, no, I was a massive, I was a massive hip hop head too. Like, okay, so like, what? I was massive into the Neptunes, the oh, clips kind yeah. of like, I was that Pharrell kind of sound that early 2000s. Lord Willing is like Lord Willing. That was the first albums. album I bought. I fucking love that. That's album. my favorite album. Yeah. Lord Willing and Boy in the Corner by Dizzy Rascal were the first two. two yeah, Dizzy Rascal ever. is one. That's one of the few. Uh, I, is that grime or is that garage? What do you call it's, it? It's grime. Yeah, he so is that, the king. That's one of the few grime albums that really like crossed over to the U.S. Yeah. And so a lot of popular rappers currently in the in America definitely well they definitely like give that album Credit. its props yeah uh, what is it, trapped in the corner or painted in the corner or something yeah, what's called boy in the corner yeah that boy in the <laughs> yeah. corner sorry it's part of influence for my artwork like I'm sat in the corner too that's kind of paying homage to you know that album that, yeah. was, a, that was a big part of my life I'll never forget I saw uh I went to like an LP Dizzy Rascal show at uh, El Rey or something, and we watched Dizzy Rascal perform for like a fucking hour and a half with a hoodie on, and he didn't sweat a single what a drop. Single drop, yeah. Well, like, what the fuck? Like, how do you <laughs> how do you not sweat? I was sweating just standing uh, no, in the crowd. No, it was crazy. That guy got good genetics. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think a, that's something just growing up in a garden where you're in a small room, hundred people. You, you know, you're used to that. Yeah, heat, probably. Yeah, so that yeah. was probably a big. So would you try to go to like Dizzy Rascal shows and stuff like that? And they would yeah, just get shut down. They would get shut down. Every time you say shut down, I'm just like shut down. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, Skepta. He's he's also that song is so lit. I was a you know I still am massive Skepta fan. Yeah, I was also 
a big part. But you know, as growing up where I was, I wasn't growing up in a grime environment, so I'd love the sound, but I couldn't replicate it because you know I'm not going through what they're going through. So yeah, I would far, listen to it. Did you have friends that I mean? Well, Hell like, yeah, there's yeah. like like people in London, like yeah. there's parts of London that are grimy this is as fuck. Th- yeah. yeah, this is the thing about yeah. like this is what people don't realize. Yeah, yeah. and I learned this in LA. LA is you've got your good areas and you got your bad, areas. and they're right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. but like they're areas. Like you go in a good area for a bit and then you're in a bad area. Yeah. London, you can be in one of the richest roads and the, the road parallel to it is the blocks. Like, uh. literally, it's like that. It's not segregated. Like, it's literally, it's all... So, you know, you know, loads of my friends grew up in the blocks around us and shit like that, but it would never stop me. It always never stopped the cultures blending. It was very... You have the mix of the cultures. Everyone's from different areas, you know. When we would go out in Watford, it would just be like everyone come together. So it, 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 you learn a lot musically from that. And, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, as I said, like I fucking, I loved grime music. I still love grime music. It's a big influence in what I did, but I can never replicate it. Right. So I had to kind of find my own balance. Like, well, I love the clips and I love grime. You know, let's kind of create our own, you know experiences and right and it's and it's interesting because I, I think like now it well it makes sense that you're coming out here a lot because the sound that you've kind of melded into fits very much into the kind of warehouse underground yeah. like l- very turnt scene out here yeah. with the big 808 drops and yeah. stuff like that yeah. you know no no for sure yeah and it's it just sounds more like uh from what I've heard, which is I, I, I'm not like fully educated okay. on your fucking whole discography, okay. but it's like uh, you know it sounds like. It sounds like a British dude rapping over Atlanta music. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Which, I, try, I mean, I lived in Atlanta for a bit too. So did that you? was, yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a really crazy. Cause I, I needed to, I was, uh, that's yeah. what I needed to learn. I feel like if I want to, if I want to be known out here and I really want to, you know, fuck with the people, they've got to, you know, understand that, understand their coach. You know, I lived right. in New York, lived in Atlanta, I lived in LA. So you're a student of the game. I, I feel, yeah, I feel, uh, as I said to you before, when I said, you know, I had something that was blowing up, which I wasn't happy with and I wasn't ready for. Yeah, let's not get to that yet because that is an interesting conversation uh, that I want to have. But so you're DJing, you're 16, DJing. 17, you're yep. in the scene and you're DJing and how are you, how do you start getting booked? And first um, and foremost, did you have like one friend who was putting you on to everything? I was like a, I wasn't like a huge DJ. Yeah. I was just DJing for all of my friends' raves. Like everywhere I'd go. House we, parties and stuff. House party. Yeah. We had an online show too, which mm-hmm. was pretty crazy. Where, oh, so you were like a technology adopter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, you know, that, that was kind of, it was our escapism. There was, you know, studios in Watford that we would all go down, like 20 of us, and we'd all spin and then they'd spit. And, you know, I wasn't spitting then, so it was kind of like I was still learning and everything was so good. But something about when I was mixing, you know, there was no computers. It was just pure CDs. I was mixing CDs. CDJs. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. lucky enough to get finals because I couldn't really afford the Oh, well, that's an expensive habit exactly, to get into. Exactly, but yeah. the CD, I was mixing pure CDs. No, yeah. no, no computers, no nothing. And just because I loved the music so much, it was just so great to play it, even I wasn't playing in front of a big crowd. How are you finding it? Napster or something? Or like or just online? Like yeah, we would find it. We'd find it online. And, yeah. and, and I'd know people like one of my friends was a DJ. And then I got tight when I, you know, it, 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 everyone knows everyone. So we were cool. And the dude who owned the studio was a big drum and bass DJ. So he'd give us some stuff. But it was kind of like, yeah, it was like, damn, we love this music. So I don't care if I'm playing in front of five people. Yeah. One of the first raves I did, this is a crazy show, one of the first raves I did, and I recently looked at the flyer six months ago. My one of my producers, I only worked with two producers. Mm-hmm. One of them was called Zach Nahum, one of them was called MDS. 
and Zach was always in my area, but we didn't know each other. But mm. we were looking at the first show. We both did. We were both on the same lineup together, oh, which was really crazy. That's really funny. Yeah, we both were doing like dub, drum, and bass, and we were both on the same lineup. So we probably fucking were DJing like back to back or right, after each right. other. But we just didn't know. It just so. wasn't in the cards to meet yeah, quite yet. Yeah, it wasn't. So interesting. Yeah. So when do you start going like, hey, uh, maybe I could rap? Or Did you write a lot as a kid? I No, I started writing when I was when I was spinning. But where I was from, it kind of wasn't a thing to spit. Right. It like it was like, a, are you trying to be a spit? I would have forget a job, bro. No, this is like, don't, don't be like DJing was rad enough. Like, don't be going out there, out there. So I kind of, I, you know, I, I was writing, but I was also playing it. So I was concentrating on a DJ, and you know, I did, I did want to go to to college, university. Did you guys have friends that were like the dedicated rappers, and then you, yeah. and then they would come up and rap during yeah. your sets and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had those. And, and you know, so they were like one of my best friends. Do one too. or the other. Yes, yeah, so one of my best friends too was a crazy spitter. And uh, yeah, it was kind of when I I moved away for the first time. You went to college? No, I oh. w- I went to I went to live in Israel for six months. Right? So is that like your uh, what is it? Right of not right of passage? The no what is it no. I just huh. went there because I was fucking up on on a lot of things and yeah. I needed to get away. And there right. was a special course which a couple of my friends were going on, where it's like you go, you help out in a school. You help out the kids. You uh, you go live in like in the ghettos of Israel, and you help out the community. Yeah. So it's something that I didn't. I didn't. Not going to be honest. I didn't want to do it, but I knew I needed to get away. And the experience now, I'm so thankful and grateful for it. And you know, it really made me find out who I was and be like, you know, I don't need to listen to if people think I should do this or not. So when I came back from there, I was like, you know what kind of want to take this seriously yeah what was the experience in israel like go deeper like what were you doing on the day-to-day there uh i was working in a school yeah. uh, in bat yam which is kind of like a ghetto yeah in israel and just seeing you know just seeing how how people lived you know like was it was it the level of poverty just kind like of astounding I would hear or? gunshots outside oh, wow. my Russia the whole time like yeah. it was crazy like people don't realize it's that side of israel too you know it still is the middle east yeah you know just because there's upbeat places in the middle there's still well and that's kind of like a fight that never ends over there exactly yeah. So it was kind of like it was really, you know. I think I learned more when I when I went and lived in Jerusalem for my last three months. Mm-hmm. So I was in the in the ghetto in in Bat Yam for the, the first uh, three months, and I went to Jerusalem. And there was one night, and I'm not I'm not religious, I'm not spiritual. I just, you know, as I said, I like to go places and yeah. I like experiences. And um, there's a there's a Jewish holiday called Yom Kippur, yeah. where. Uh, in Jerusalem, you don't do any. You don't eat. You don't drive. You don't nothing. So I was in some ghetto apartment overlooking the highway, but the highways would be empty on Yom Kippur, and the kids would come and sit in circles and and play in the middle of the highway. So you'd be looking at this massive highway and kids, four year old kids on their push bikes and playing, and people playing football in the middle of the highway. So that was kind Just of like, like this crazy juxtaposition, crazy. Like, yeah. You would never, and everything was calm, and it was, you know, this is like a, a dystopian, like, you know, yeah, yeah. everyone had just stopped and just embraced kind of life. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it probably looked like something out of a fucking post apocalyptic movie or something. Exactly. Yeah. And then there would be crowds of people walking because the highway would go to the wall and everyone right. would go, go to, to the, the wall. Yeah. yeah. So when I did that walk down the highway and I kind of was just like, damn, this is, you know, life's kind of more than myself. And, 
you know, as I said, I'm not religious, but I right. like experiences. I like to get in touch with myself and people. And right, you felt like there was something bigger right there. Hell yeah, yeah, that's dope, man. And so you come back from from Jerusalem or or Israel, and yeah. and, and do you fall back into the same crowd, or what do you do? Do uh, you separate yourself a bit? My my friends, you know, I'm blessed with a great diverse group of friends, all doing very different things. Like I'm talking like property, accounting, parking planners promoters DJs so we, there was there was so many of us and I kind of remember turning around to my best friend who's now an actor who's trying you know he was nothing and then I took you know I believe in the secret I relive my life by the secret right so I, I remember which is putting forth positive energy and thoughts and it'll come back to you or something like that yeah right? a bit more in depth right, than right, that, right. But, yeah. but that's kind of the gist, the gist. Right. and uh, he I turned around and said to him I was like I was like, I just read this book I just come back it's I kind of you know that I've always loved, you know, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I think I'm going to do it. And I don't want you to let me give up. I don't want you to not let me try it and then give up. I need you to, you know, be honest with me and this and that. And he's like, you know, I got your back, whatever. It doesn't matter. So I kind of took it from there and uh, went to college for a bit. Didn't really work out. I was just doing loads Where'd of Where'd you go to school? for? Was it for a year? Yeah, it was for, yeah, was just under a year. Where'd you uh, go? Uh, Nottingham Trent. Did you live on on campus? Yeah, I lived on campus. I was just basically boning a lot of bitches and partying and just knowing nothing. That's kind of what college yeah, is for. The first year, realistically, <laughs> yeah. Did you graduate high school? No. Oh, uh, I went to. So basically, in England, you have you have high school and then you have college and then you have university. Oh, okay. So there's a college is like the gap, the bridge gap. I had a really. Uh, dope teacher at my college you know this is the college where a bear in mind i'd been to seven schools before this is like the last chance this is this is it or right, this is it right and my teacher you know i wasn't good at any subject but i did start to do media and film and radio and and and, and television studies and uh he was super dope. he was also my soccer coach and i was like the star on the soccer team so he like he he, he what was did you play left wing oh okay um i still play What's uh, you, are you left footed <laughs> No, but I'm both. I'm, oh, both, yeah. I'm both. So. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a, I was a goalkeeper. So, really? Yeah. Okay. We might have to have a go at this. Well, do I play, some, I do play some every PKs. Sunday, brother. Do you? So, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about starting to play baseball again. <laughs> oh though, gosh, so I'm yeah. very American. I mean, you can see the size of my arms. I'm not great in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not so, that my legs are any bigger. So, so you played uh, you played uh, football in college then? Well, no, or it or doesn't some... work. Like, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. in college, yeah. in our college. So yeah, and then he was. He was super dope. He kind of made me believe in, in myself and my work thing, and I started to make films. Like I did a film for my my A level. I got an A for it. Uh, and then I was sick during my exams. I got really sick, and um, he gave me my predicted grades like a G, which I didn't think I was giving it a pass exam. And I got like an A, B, and a D, and that was enough to get into where I wanted to go to do right. film studies in Nottingham Trent. Okay. So I went and tried it. I think I went to one lecture. And so that was university, That's Nottingham. It. Yeah, okay. Nottingham Trent. And then and then you live you live on campus and stuff. Or yeah, you have, okay. yeah. I lived on campus, yeah. and that was a crazy experience. It was dope. You know, I'd lived out of the house since I was like eighteen anyway. So yeah. I was just like, you know, I'm gonna get out of here. And then how far is that from Bushy? Four hours. Oh, okay. So you're so you're a ways yeah, away. Yeah, I'm way yeah. away. Yeah. So um, I then left college and i was like you know what i want to pursue this passion in music but 
I also want to go to LA. I went on a holiday there the year before when I did came you back DJ at all in college? Yeah, I yeah. DJed a lot in college. Yeah, yeah that probably crazy. helped with the whole ladies and drugs thing. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I was yeah. doing some dope nights there. My brother Lucas, who's still my best friend, he was doing some crazy nights up there. So we did we we, we did a lot together. Yeah. And um And so you come to LA on a holiday and it changes the game or Well, what? this is before college. Yeah. And it changed the game. I remember I fell in love with it. And then I sent off a million emails whilst I was in college. I was like, yeah, I have to go and intern for a record. Like, I have to go and learn. You know, I know this music game is a business and I know there's some reason why people are doing better than others. And, you know, so I was like, I kind of wanted to learn. And I got an internship at BMG Chrysalis Publishing Company. And that's in, that's in LA? That's in LA. Yeah. And that was just after my college in the summer. And um, I interned there for six weeks so you come out here where do you stay at uh i was staying in ucla actually in the dorms in ucla because it was like a program for interns oh, you cool. could stay there you'd pay a small amount of money. and so you didn't have to worry about like visas and all that stuff <laughs> oh, it was just yeah like, I, had oh, a, I had a visa it was a joke. student all right, it was yeah. no it was like an internship visa oh sick so um i was interning for bmg chrysalis and what did you learn there i learned that i could make anything happen because i didn't learn anything business-wise through the publishing side what I learned is that I was working one day and a friend of mine from my area, from Bushy, it was in a massive band at the time. They like blew up crazy in a big band called Modestep. Yeah. And uh, I'm shifting through this music, you know, I'm shifting through catalogs and, and suddenly I'm in the office and I hear them and I'm like, what? This kid is from Bushy, this kid yeah. is from my area and yeah. they're playing him in LA. In so that kind of made me was like, you know what? Anything you gotta is, make is it possible. Happen. Yeah, anything yeah. is possible. So, so I quit two days after that i was really? like you know what i'm not shifting i'm not doing this no more I, I i i can't do it to myself it was killing me it was i couldn't be creative so i had two weeks left on my visa and i i um i ended up hustling and meeting someone in a smoking area on my second to last day when i did smoke and he was like out of the blue, he's like, I want you to come to my penthouse afterwards. And I home my pause. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone, with, I've gone there. Yeah. And um, this crazy penthouse in the watermark downtown. Yeah. Crazy. He's like, I'm doing, I've got a fashion development company. You know, let's get your paperwork sorted out. And like, you can come and intern for me. Yeah. How are you dressing at the time? Like, uh, is he like? He, I've always been kind of. Fashion dude. Uh, yeah. Outlandish yeah. kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why he, you know, approached me and and. Uh, well, you're a fucking, you're you're pretty charming and well-spoken dude as well. Pause. No, homo. <laughs> I was about to say no, I don't yeah. want to be attracted. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I would imagine that, like, meeting you smoking a cigarette, I would have probably ended up in a conversation okay. with you too. Like, what's up? Yeah, yeah like yeah. you seem like a smart fella. So, yeah, so that makes sense. So he's like, let's get you working for me. Yeah. Right. And you know that kept. What me. does he want you to do? Uh, it was kind of like uh, actually scouting girls from across the road to that come and work. So there. shady, terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah, I'm not going to go into details of that joke because it really fucked me up. Sounds like pornography. I wish. I wish it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, you know, I would be working from six in the morning till ten at night. Wow. Go into the studio till three. Yeah. Being up for five thirty. And it was, you know, it was killing me. So you found a studio to work in on music here too. Well, yeah. So, so the first ever dude to really, you know, put me on and put me on game and, and to re- taught me a lot was this guy called Steven Cigar Hurelia, who was 
Eminem's engineer, Dr. Dre's engineer. Like he mixed and mastered 2001. He mixed and mastered M's two first two albums. He's oh, that's like crazy. an OG. Yeah. And I remember the first session. I'm in the booth with him. I'm spitting. I'm like, yo, so fucking now, uh, now, what you talking about, bruv? And then how, how long have you been rapping at that point? And I've been rapping for like t- solidly for like a year and a half, two okay. years at that yeah. point. And uh, I remember he pushed a button. He was like, Danny. I was like, yo. He was like. I can't fucking understand you. Drop the slang and fucking pronunciate. And I remember after that, and I was like, yo, you're right. <laughs> like, if I want to translate over, over here, here. Right. without putting on a, an accent, I got to fucking, you know, pronunciate. I understand the people aren't going to start. I understand what I'm saying. I've got to, you know, do slang, which is kind of, you know, universal. Universal. Yeah. And, you know, he taught me a lot. And, um, yeah, because if you start speaking a fucking Cockney rhyme, it's exactly. going to go over everyone's head everyone's here. Head. But if you say it's lit, everyone's going to understand everywhere. Oh, it's lit. Yeah, it's you know, right, it's yeah. lit, for sure. It's for sure lit. I mean, my gra- I taught my grandmother lit. She's like super She's into like, it. Mm, it makes sense. Everything's lit for her now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so he tells you like fucking drop. Drop that shit. Drop the crazy slang. And so that changes the mentality. Changes everything. And I kind of learned a lot. Then I would I would start working with, you know... You know, my brother, Jesse, my manager, yeah. he's... Uh, How'd you guys meet? Um, so when I, when I came back from LA from from quitting the, the, the BMG, BMG yeah. I had someone hit me up on Facebook saying, yo, like, I'm really messing with your stuff. Like, let's, you know, let's get together. Where let's... were you putting the music out at at the time? I, I was doing a bit on SoundCloud. Okay. Um, you know, that's my main platform at the moment too. But I was, you know, I was, if Sanko was very new back then. Right, right. So I, I was going to say, it must have just came exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, I, I wanted, I didn't want to put it on YouTube because fucking the hate, it was just, it was just disgusting. Yeah, YouTube was a very much of a troll area at the time. It was just troll. And yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm Partic- doing something. Particularly for white rappers. It was, oh, a, it was tough at a certain point. White, yeah. English and Jewish. Yeah, Imagine yeah. the bullshit yeah, I yeah. had. So yeah. it was kind of the thing where I was like, you know what, I just want to, this is where DJ, that's why I used to listen to all the DJ mix. I was like, let's put a rapper. I feel like I'm not being big headed. I was the first real rapper to utilize SoundCloud. Okay. Like to be like, I, I hadn't heard anyone else rapping on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. So I was doing all of that and um, this dude hit me he was like bro, bro, I can make you I can get you to labels I can get you this now. so I'm fucking eating the carrot thinking oh yeah this is a dude this is a dude and uh, eating the carrot pause <laughs> <laughs> no, so he's, <laughs> no I get yeah. that yeah he's dangling uh, the carrot in front of you, you're, and you yeah and, that's what I'm at and, you're, yeah. and, you're, around, and you're, you're along for the ride you're <laughs> yeah. like let's go I'm there I'm there yeah. let's go yeah and he had this little kid hanging around with him Jesse and uh after a few weeks, we were just like, nothing's happening. Yeah. So me and Jesse were like, okay, well, fuck this. You're like, bruv, let's break off. Yeah. <laughs> and we did, and, and we became best friends. You know, I got him an internship at the at the fashion company. Okay. We were, he was the one, you know. So you guys I'm were li- scouting girls together? Yeah. Swag. We were, um, I've lived on his couch for four years. You know, his family's my fan. Like, he's just, you know, he's my, he's a young boss. He's created a lot of net, you know, networks. So, and does he, has he completely moved out here now? He, li- he lives, he, he's, he's been living here. here. Yeah, he's from, oh, here. he's from here. So that's why another reason why I fuck with him too, because, you know, LA is kind of that land of the fake. And when you meet, I meet someone from LA, it's like, 
they're not going to give me that bullshit. Well, it's interesting because when you actually meet someone that grew up in LA, I feel like they're some of the realists. The realists. You know what, what I mean? mean? Like when you meet the transplants here, you're oh, like, ah, oh, fuck you. I can't even chunk. I always kind of say like if you if someone moves to LA for the wrong reasons, they're going to end up leaving for the right, right reasons. reasons. You know what 100%. I mean? hundred uh, percent. But, but yeah, the, guy, the guys that grow up here, they're great people. They're, there's a real misconception about that. Yeah, and there's this three-year rule too. If you survive past three years and you really kind of understand yeah, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I kind of, you know, Jesse would tell me if something was trash he, mm-hmm. he would be my no man he'd be like it's a trash it's not gonna translate mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. like it this and that he has a great ear for music mm-hmm. and, and so yeah. you guys are learning the game together kind exactly. of exactly that's that's exactly. a great way to do it i think i think so yeah too. so yeah. you know yeah and so things start picking up and then uh how how often are you coming back and forth at this point like how often do you go home and come back um i'm going every three months i'm yep. only allowed to stay 90 days at a, at a, at a year so i mean 90 days at a time right so then I got a, I then I got a visa. And so where do you go when you go home now? Back to Bushy? Back to Bushy. And and that's staying with mom? No, I actually oh. have my own. Well, what, before my pops left and emigrated, he had a small crib there, which he, he left for me to oh, stay nice. there. So I, I live with my cousin and another roommate who rents out the room. So, yeah, so it's always it's always when I come home, I've got my friends there. It's like super, super fun. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, okay, so here was an interesting thing that you told me outside while we were chatting was uh, – you did end up putting something on YouTube and we were talking kind of about the internet one hit wonders thing, how like sometimes people put out their first thing and it, it hits and it blows up and then that's them They They get typecasted so, as yeah. that, like you're stuck being that. And it's the modern equivalent of a one hit wonder, even though maybe it never makes it to the radio. Yeah. People are still wanting that thing. Yeah. And so you put out a video and it starts going. Yeah. And what happens? So I put out this video, I start going. Um, what was it called? It like, was called Whoop. Can people still find it? Uh, like the, 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 the audio of it? Uh, maybe. Yeah. It was it was kind of my fir- it was my first, you know, real music video. It was though two years ago? Three? Three and a half, nearly okay. four. Yeah. So we we put that out and you know, it was just me and my friend with a camera. I kind of didn't have the money I wanted to do to film the things I wanted to film. So this is all I had, and I knew I needed a visual out. Anyway, it ended up blowing up, and it was blowing up like it was like on a like a hundred, hundred and fifty k. And how fast? In like a month, it oh, was really quick. blowing up. That's quick, so yeah. I was just like, you know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't a good enough rapper. Right. The video was blowing me up in a way like, oh, he's just some white swag rapper. Uh-huh. I knew how easy it was to be typecast and pigeonholed in this day and age of the skipping generation of kids who, you know, are going to watch something they like for your image and then the next one would come on in six months and you'd be forgotten. Right. So I took it down and, you know... Which is a, a very lot. ballsy maneuver yeah. to take it down because when people get their first taste of success, they don't mm. want to let that go most no, of the time. Oh, yeah. And, and everyone was saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, you know, if it's meant to be, it will happen again. And, you know, I need to be a... A better rapper. I need to be. If I'm gonna be this, I haven't even done my ten thousand hours yet. But right. then I was just like, "This is. I gotta be the best. I'm not coming in to be some joke. This right. has gotta be me." Right. So after you know reevaluating and and going really elusive, I then really utilized SoundCloud, and I only release songs on SoundCloud. And today I've had four million plays on my SoundCloud. That's amazing. Like I only release a song every six months. Like I just to be like, "Are you with me?" Do you want to hear what I'm saying rather than see what I'm saying? Right. And then when I could afford the visual of my dreams and how I'd 
em- embraced it. I, I then you know started meeting people who are in my in my circle and like minded. And uh, yeah, and then I made this this latest vision. I think um, the releasing songs uh, every six months and, and things like that are, are very smart in in the modern day and age too, because it's kind of against trend where everybody wants to release something Over every week. So, so you're just on the blog rotation yeah. constantly. But the thing is, is that that you can only maintain that for so long before you burn out for 100%. a little bit. And so if you can get your early supporters to realize that, like, look we're all on my timeline and my creativity cycle yeah. and you can get them to come along for that, then you can make lifelong fans exactly. who are going to wait for you and aren't just going to burn out when exactly. like the blogs stop fucking exactly. with you. Because eventually blogs stop fucking with 100%, everybody. 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. And uh, so I think that was very wise beyond your years. Good job, young man. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, when do you finally decide to put another video out after after the uh, the whoop thing? When, uh, when, I, when I had seen what was out there, uh, uh, I, you know, I had start becoming uh, enlightened to this world of real amazing visuals. Like, feel like I studied film study, but I didn't know how to incorporate it into music. I didn't have the access to, you know, Reds or Alexa cameras right. or, or crews or, or, you know, CGI and stuff like this. And along the journey of the past year, I had met, you know, some crazy people, some great creatives. And uh, I had this idea, you know, my album, uh, the track list is three sentences. So the song I arise because the song before it is how I dream I arise because time is at essence. So it's meant it was meant to be a three right. piece trilogy. Right. And yeah, I met the, met the directors. I was like, yo, this is kind of what I want to do. I want to glorify rap music videos, you know, with the cars and the bitches, but do it in a way that hasn't been done. You know, using drones, like using them in a way that you know, where we've got a story to tell. The white forest in the middle is, you know, it's symbolic, but it's also like, where is that from? Right. What is that to do with? Why is he there? You know, these are all questions I wanted to leave open. So in the bigger scheme of things, I can really make movies. Yeah. You're just wrapping up a project now, yeah? I am. Um, three years later, I've been I've been working on this. Hey, I, I, I take my time and I go yeah. slow too. And so exactly. I think that, man, taking fucking three years, there's exactly. nothing wrong with that because exactly. it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, hey, man. Amen. That's and if exactly you want to be able to do it into your 30s or 40s like Jay-Z, then you got to fucking take your time. Amen. You know what Couldn't I mean? I agree more. Yeah. Uh, you talked about earlier when you're in college, like going into fucking lots of girls and et cetera, et cetera. Have, have you ever settled down and found love in your 24 um, years? I wouldn't say love. N- no love yet. I don't, do you know what? I don't know because I, it's not love, but I was seeing someone before things got really serious in the music about a year, a year and a half, two years ago. And I realized that, you know, I think about it every day, not her, but what, what my life is about to be, you know, I was in a situation where I was like, yo, I like you, but like, I'm going to be going on tour and I am going to be having sex with women. It's nothing to hurt you. That's just nature. But that's of the just beast. How, the, how the game is. And the second she said to me, I'm okay with that, mm. I knew it was killing her deep down and I had to stop. And I spoke with a girlfriend of mine who was just like, if a girl is going to turn around and say to you, they're okay with you having sex with another girl. That is not the girl for you. Mm. You need a girl who's going to say, are you fucking serious? Who yeah, the fuck do you yeah, think I you, am? Fuck, fuck you. What the yeah. fuck? 
So, you know, I've yet to come across someone like that. And, you know, I do get worried. I do want a family and kids, you know, when, I, when I'm older. But right yeah. now, I just, I have to concentrate on making money for them to live when I need to. And, you know, I think because I've lived in L.A., you know, on and off for five years, I can... I can tell when someone's trying to fuck with me for who I am and what I do and this and that. You know, I, I, I kind of, I've been independent my whole life with everything I do. I kind of can see who's trying to use me and this and that. And, you know, I don't want to find a wife in LA. <laughs> Cause oh, dude, this is a hard place to find it's a wife. A, it's a hard place to find a wife. So Very difficult. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, what's next? Are we kind of the beginning of the press cycle for this project? Is that, is that what this I ended mean, up being? And this is, I mean, I do, we're, we're doing all our own press. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for, thank you for. No, I'm yeah. excited. This was very serendipitous because uh, the backstory behind this, uh, how this <laughs> happened was, as you guys know that, listen, uh, I bartend on the weekends to make extra scratch so that I don't have to maintain a regular job. Yep. I've seen your videos and I've, and I've heard, and I've heard the music and I know that you come to ham parties sometimes. And so I see this, uh, this little wiry fellow walk up and I'm like, I think that's Danny Seth. And then I hear British accent and I'm like that is Danny Seth <laughs> but I was like I didn't say anything because it was hella loud and I didn't want and I and it's kind of hard approaching people about a podcast when you're bartending it, se- it seems kind of weird and so the next day I just tweeted and I was like yo man I fucking saw you last night like what's up I have this show and then it managed to work itself out it and so it's fun how that happens and that's why I really love LA because you can just run into people exactly yeah exactly. fun times fun times exactly. uh so what's next I don't know where you how often next. are you in the studio when do you leave um I'm here for a bit. I think I'm going to have my uh, release party at 424 in a couple of weeks. So obviously come down. Yeah. And anyone who's listening, maybe you might want to pop down. I think we're deciding a date now. But, you know, I keep pushing back the date because I feel... Perfectionist? Perfectionist and you a- I can't risk it going under the radar. Right. I can't. I, everything needs to be right. Everything needs to kind of... Do you think any of it, and this might be me projecting, but do you ever think that some of that stuff, because I think my producer has this, is like a, a slight fear of success? I I believe so, yeah. It's scary to think it like, oh, scary. this could work. Sometimes you hear like, man, I remember hearing this song that I made a few years back and, and like listening to it. I, I like randomly smoke some weed and I never do. I'm driving around and I, and I listen to it and I go, oh, fuck, man, my life's going to change. And it was like kind of frightening. It is frightening. Yeah. And, it, and you know what's more frightening? I, I've been in a friendship circle when I've, I've seen success all around me the past few years. Right. And, you know, I get to experience it firsthand without happening to me and as much as i say i want it which i do i do want it and i do want to make a living doing this because it's what i love it's my passion right you know i'm blessed to even be where i am right now Uh but i think i just need to man up it's not more the fear of success it's more the fear of i hope the kids want to hear stories because Mm -hmm. you know in this day and age it's so easy to you know hear the most ignorant shit in the world and you know it's popping and i love it god i love it i'm mm. not gonna say i don't but you know i love to hear where where they came from what your story is you know how you know it's all well listening to an interview but i need to hear that through the music and mm. i think that's what i've been you know the album's 17 tracks i didn't want to cut any off because it's like this is the past three years you know the video whatever happened with that you know my struggle you know being accepted back home and and coming over here you know it's a fucking story Mm -hmm. and i just 
I just hope that, you know, that people are willing to listen. Exactly. Well, and it can be very frightening also to open up that way and to be, um, you know, to make something so intimate or intimate and, and also to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? And I, and I feel like uh, from from the brief conversations we've had, it sounds like you've got some a little bit of vulnerability on the, on yeah, the new record. Right. You, sure, put, yeah. you put the life out there No, for sure. I mean, the, the song I'm, I'm going to play. Um, is the story b- between uh, the final letter between me and my old stepmother, who was like a mother to me. Uh, when my dad divorced her, she uh, she cut me off and she said to me, you know, I was in LA and I was sending her letters. I was sending like 10 letters at a time. And finally I got, you know, a voicemail saying, what's your address? I want to write back to you. And my my letter to her was just like, you know, I love you and I miss you. I just want to see you. It's all I want to do is just see you and hope you're all right because I know she wasn't well. Mm-hmm. And then her letter back to me was like, I love you so much, but I can never see you again because you remind me of your father. Oh, my god! So this was like nearly four years ago I That's haven't seen her so yes yeah, and she was like my mother you know I would not you know I would never have money if it wasn't for her she wouldn't she put food on my table she put me into you know private escape. she made me the person who I was and then when you know when this all happened and my dad moved away and then I lost my stepmom it was kind of like you know even though my mother that's my that's my rock that's my angel but um you know, the relationship between me and my stepmother, you know, this song is very real. This is my stand. This is me bearing my soul to the world. Like, yo, I can make turn up ignorant bands, but, you know, I like to make music and this is stuff that's happened to me. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's yeah. terrifying to put that out in the world, but it feels yeah. so good when you put it out and yeah, people react to for it. For sure. And I have a feeling that, uh, I, I think that, our following is going to like it. So I'm excited to see the reaction and I'm excited for you to see the reaction. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, before we wrap it up, let's tell everybody where to find you online. Okay. Um, well, my Twitter is at Danny Seth. D A double N Y S E T H. Just how you would think. Um, my website is Danny Seth dot X X X like a porn site. Swag. Um, SoundCloud. SoundCloud is forward slash Danny Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Instagram is actually Gallery de Seth, uh, French for Gallery of Seth. So G A L E R I E D E S E T H. And then if you're like on YouTube and want to see videos, you can just search Danny, Danny Seth, Seth and he pops right up. You got a pretty Googleable name. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so thank you're you. so you're good. If you guys are looking for Danny Seth, Google that shit and you will find him. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. I was yeah, really was, dope. Yeah, this was dope. My name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition, and you can follow me at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards making the shit sound buttery, Ben Shim at I am database space with two S's follow us as a unit at kind of neat youtube.com slash that's kind of neat where you're going to see Danny Seth perform what song is it called um it's called Danny Darling. It's called Danny Darling. And you can follow up on all of our other videos. We just hit 7 million views, which is Damn, crazy. 36,000 uh, subscribers. We're getting, getting close to 40. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, <laughs> been, it's been, a lot of, been a lot of hard work and it's paying off. Uh, so thank you guys for always tuning into that. Facebook.com slash kind of neat. And make sure you download the podcast app. Search for kind of neat and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe, bro. Leave a five-star rating and a comment about who you want to see on the show and tell me how how handsome I am. With that being said, I think that's it, man. You got anything else you want to add? Um, The British are coming. The British are coming. Pause. (laughs) 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 I'm intuition. That was Danny Seth, and this was definitely kind of neat. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 